Hey everybody, this is Reese with the True Answers Podcast. I just wanted to bring you an exciting announcement. We are officially on Facebook. So go up in your search bar, type in True Answers. Uh, you'll find our podcast page and follow us there. That's where we will be posting our social media content as well as giving everybody updates on new releases of our podcast. And then another thing, uh, we actually added a live email account. So feel free to email us at trueanswers.podcast at gmail.com and uh, shoot us any love, any questions, any thoughts that you have. And we might actually cover some of those questions in subsequent episodes. So again, we have a Facebook page, True Answers. Follow us there as well as shoot us an email at trueanswers.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much. And here's the show. Welcome to the True Answers Podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Reese. In a world of deception, we want to help you discover true answers. Hey everyone, welcome back to the True Answers Podcast. We've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit. So this mm-hmm. is our, our, third, uh, our third discussion on the fruits of the Spirit. We've covered love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. So today we're going to start in with goodness. Mm. So we've had, I've really enjoyed these discussions with you, Reese. Mm. Yeah, I enjoy them too. They've been really good, really um, eye-opening and thought-provoking to realize that God's Spirit can work in us and it produces all these great things. Yeah, I actually had a conversation with one of my good friends about the fruit of the Spirit today. Because we were talking about being the difference between a man as the world shows what a man is supposed to be, oh, yeah. and then a man as what God shows a man is supposed to be. And uh, we actually came to the conclusion that a lot of the works of the flesh tied directly in with how the world views a man to be. Mm. Like you think about hatred, violence, um, like powerful, powerful, tough, everything not want. emotional, huh. uh, sexual immorality with yeah. adultery and fornication, because that's what the Bible says is a work of the flesh. Because this world kind of puts on a pedestal the guy who's got all the women, the right. guy who's got all the but money. But then the shames guy. the women yeah. that are with all the men. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's the world views a man acting like that is like, oh, that's. He's, he's a man. He's, right. Yeah, he's, nah. a, he's a manly man. But, but we were talking about that, I, that. It was really cool how that ties in. I mean, it's works of the flesh. It's anybody. But specifically when we were talking about being men, how the world views that, it's, it's crazy. And I think those guys that have, you know, strove, striven, <laughs> they strove for all, to get all <laughs> yeah. that, I don't think they're happy with themselves because no. they put everyone down. They are not a really good person. Yeah. I mean, there's a saying that says that's it's lonely at the top. Mm. Like if you climb the ladder by stepping on everybody beneath you, yeah, who's going to be there to share in the success and the, right. you know, the whatever that, that mm. life has? Nobody. Nobody's going to want to even be around you. Right, right. So anyways, I just thought that was an interesting point because my friend was the one who actually made the connection mm. with the fruit of the Spirit and how um, drastically different those qualities are to what the world expects you to be. Yeah. To have love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You know, all the stuff that we talked about and we're going to talk about tonight, it doesn't make sense in the world's standards of humanity. 
those qualities don't. Yeah. Like some of them get in there, like love. We we all have a general idea of like we should love one another, but in practicality, all we see today is a lot of hatred. Yeah. Even though everybody, not everybody, but most people talk about, yeah, we should love everybody, but it doesn't really work that way when you try and live it out. Yeah. The life of Jesus was the epitome of the fruits of the Spirit being, mm-hmm. being exemplified because he put others first and he took care of himself too. He made sure he put his flesh down by fasting and going into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. He made sure he connected with God. Um, he made sure that he was healthy and well-rounded. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't out to promote himself yeah. or his fleshly kingdom. It was all for the kingdom of God. Right. Because yeah. he said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve, to minister. Yeah. That's what he said. Right. And that word just means to serve. So let's talk about, I think that was a great recap of what we what we have talked about, kind of the point we're trying to get across. Um but let's start up with each individual piece. So um, goodness, right? This is found in Galatians. What's the scripture for fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5.22, Galatians 5. I think. Okay, Galatians 5.22. Um, if anybody's curious as to what the, uh, uh, the scripture reference is on that. Um, Galatians 5.22. So uh, we're picking up with goodness. Okay. What... What is your take on goodness? I know you got a couple scriptures um, for what we're going to talk about tonight. So I'll start with you, Rob. Yeah. Um, when I think of goodness, I think of the goodness of God, and I also think of his righteousness. Mm. So I think, you know, he's the one who says this is good, this is yeah. right. Um, a scripture I had on this one was Exodus 34, 6. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Hmm. So he's abundant in goodness. He's full right. of it. Yeah. Full of goodness. So I love that um, in that scripture. It really talks about his character. And even the next verse, Exodus 34, 7, says, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children to the third and fourth generation hmm. so he's talking about you know he's a good God he he is just as well so it's a, a balance of he is love good faithful takes care of his children but he also brings us to where we need to be through hmm. through chastisement hmm. yeah that's that's is, true isn't there scripture his goodness leads us to repentance I think so yeah, I think so. Um, I was thinking about goodness, and one thing that uh, that I like to do is read the interlinear Bible. Yeah, um, I like to see exactly how it was written, uh, the exact words that were used, like without much translation. Which, by the way, is why most people like the King James version of the Bible, um, or at least most hardcore studiers of the Bible like the King James because it's the most literal translation of how the Bible was written. Um, but I still like to go back and look at the Hebrew and the Greek to see what what the point really is. Um, goodness is an interesting word because um, it, it comes from a Greek word that the way it's used describes 
intrinsic goodness, especially as a personal quality, with stress on the kindly rather than the righteous side of goodness. Hmm. Um, I think righteous is definitely a part of it. I, I don't read that to like contradict you in any way. Yeah. Um, so when I was reading that, I was thinking about um, not kind of like purity in a way, mm-hmm. being pure in motives, having like the right intentions behind what you're doing to be good, you know? Um, and this was interesting because it really links kindness with this one as well. Even though gentleness, we talked about that one last week, really breaks down to being kind. But so so does this goodness being is your good, uh, well, like this says, with stress on the kindly rather than the righteous side of goodness. Um, again, righteousness mm-hmm. is still part of it. But the fact that God's good um, and just to make it really simple, God can't be bad. Yeah. Like there's, there's no way. Cause the Bible says he's light and in him is no darkness at all. Like he can't be bad. I heard, uh, there was a student who asked a teacher, what, why, why do you say God is good? What, what if God was evil? And he said, well, by definition, God is the epitome of what is, he defines what is good. And bad because that's his, the definition of God. Mm-hmm. He is a moral, right, pure, good being, and he defines morality. Yeah. So we've seen what happens when morality is subjective, mm-hmm. and people make up what they believe is moral. Right. Uh, it doesn't end well. It's a downward spiral. Right. Uh, because as humans, we can't be wholly good. Like there's no mm-hmm. way for us. Um, to just do good all the time. Yeah. Uh, so when morality is subjective, you end up with constant fighting and bickering because what's morally good to one person is not morally good to the next. Mm-hmm. You know. So I'm glad you bring that up. How God's goodness is what defines our morality. Yeah. And what's interesting is that. Um, the morality of God, I, I feel like on some level, on some level, human beings have this moral compass. And it comes from God because he's the one who created us. Mm-hmm. But we also pervert that moral compass. I just find it interesting that um, laws, like no matter where you look in the world, like they're all roughly the same. It's like don't steal stuff, don't kill people, yeah. like don't, you know whatever and uh it's interesting how you look in the bible and that's like the ten commandments that's god's moral code that's how he designed us yeah and i think some of that is still in us or at least the ability to have good morals as god defines moral morals Mm -hmm. um but i don't know that was that was goodness to me yeah goodness to me interesting the way god designed us if we obeyed his law it's like the most healthy we could ever live Mm mm-hmm it's when we start to twist the way God designed us to act with each other and with him, that's when that's when it starts just getting messed up. Yeah. One of my other friends that sent me a text and he said, "You know what? If everybody turned to God, the world's social problems would go away." Yeah. Social problems as in, you know, 
these are going to be political hot button issues, but like abortion and you know whatever. When you're talking about social problems, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and it's true. Yeah. Because when you live for God, it changes your moral structure, and it's supposed to anyways. And if it doesn't, then that means we're not living right. But our moral structure should immediately adjust. Or not immediately, but over time, definitely as we learn and get revelation, should adjust to the goodness of God. So, goodness. What about faith? I had one more scripture. On oh, goodness. go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Mark 10, I'll start halfway into verse 17. Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? There's none good but one that is God. So I think Jesus was saying, as a man in my flesh, I cannot be good. That's mm -hmm. when I have to, when I submit my flesh to God, that's when goodness comes. Mm. So even Jesus had to, you know, have God filling up that fleshly body. You know, he is, he is God when he submits his flesh like that. Mm. And that's when the fruits of the spirit flourish. Right. That's good. So faith. Faith. Um, faith is one, I think, like people, preachers especially, talk about faith all the time because without faith it's impossible to please God. And we have scriptures that like, you know, faith is the, what is it, evidence of things not seen. and No. It's the substance of things not seen and the evidence of things hoped for. I don't know, something like that. Evidence of things not seen, substance of things hoped for. I think that's how it goes. Whatever. It's in Hebrews. Look it up, okay? <laughs> Um, faith, though, uh, let me just read to you what the definition from, a, a, from the Greek basic word, the Greek root word is. Um, faith, belief, trust, confidence, fidelity, or faithfulness. Um, and actually the mode that, that the Greek word in Galatians 5.22, it doesn't just end at faith. It's actually the mode for faithfulness. Like if you read it in the interlinear, I'll just show you, Rob. Goodness, faithfulness. Mm. That's yep. the mode that's used. Huh. Now, it is still talking about, obviously, faith in God, trust and confidence in Him. But also it brings in that other principle of faithfulness. Huh. How God is faithful to us no matter what. He's yeah. always faithful to us. I have a scripture that says that. And that is... Uh, we start to reflect that faithfulness even with other people. Yeah. That when we give somebody our word, we're going to do it. Yeah. Like the Bible says, let your yes be, don't swear by God. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And really what that's boiling down to is be faithful. If you yeah. say you're going to do something, do it. Yeah. Second, because that's what God does. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Second Timothy 2.13. If we believe not yet, he abideth faithful he cannot deny himself. Hmm. So we, you just said faithfulness is a characteristic of God. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. It is. And, and we've, already come, we've already talked about how the fruit of the Spirit are characteristics of God that come to life in us because His Holy Ghost is inside of us. That's why I think it's important to point out faithfulness hmm. because just faith, like... My question when I read it that way is, if this is a characteristic of God, who does God have faith in? His people, his church. Yeah, he does. Yep. He does have he faith does. in us. 
So faith is important, but I thought it was interesting how the Greek mode of that word actually described it as faithfulness. Yeah. Because that just, uh, I think that gives it a little bit more application than just like faith, than having trust and confidence. Yeah. I like the scripture you mentioned because it says we need faith to please God. Mm -hmm. Without it, we can't please him. And also I heard um, it's like God's language. It's the thing he recognizes. If we are obedient to God, yeah. he sees that and responds mm -hmm. to that. Right. But, you know, there was those people that said, you know, we cast out demons in your name and we did all this stuff. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. It's they never acted in faith. God wanted them to do things, mm -hmm. but they did what they wanted to do. Right. They weren't obedient to God, which is what he recognizes. That's his language that he mm. speaks. And they were speaking God's language if they would have obeyed. Wow. Wow. That's <laughs> so, deep. Yeah. So when we hear God's voice and he asks us to obey, if we don't, he might not even notice what we do. Mm. Yeah. Because it's... it's not it's not a way for us to communicate with him it's just yeah. our own babble wow that's deep you know i it reminds me though talking about faith and faithfulness uh i had my gospel playlist on today when i was like praying which i do every day my god my but i heard a song on my spotify playlist that i hadn't heard before and i was kind of like half paying attention because i was praying um, but there was a line in that song that like hit me different. Um, and it's something we all know, but I guess to hear it was, was, I don't know. It just, it hit me and it really humbled me. It said, God, you don't need me for anything, hmm. but I need you for everything. Yeah. Right. I was like, what? And how humbling is that? Right? Like, cause we know the Bible has that scripture that says, who am I that you're mindful of, or who are we, you know, whatever, that you're mindful of us. Uh, and it's true. God doesn't need me for anything. I mean, he created the heavens and the earth. He, he can do anything. He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. But I need him for everything. Yeah, yeah. I even need him just to read my Bible every day, you know? Yeah. I need him to get out of bed every day. You know, it's a whole lot like, our toddlers at home and their relationship with us. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, even the one-year-old yeah. tries to do things himself and he can't do them. Right. He's going to get hurt. He's going to make messes. Mm -hmm. He needs us yes. for everything. And if yeah. he completely shuts us out, sometimes we let them figure it out on their own. And then when they finally come to us, it's like yeah. they're speaking our language. It's like they have faith in us. They're going to be obedient again. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's like the lesson of hot objects, you know? Like you can tell your kids all the time, it's hot, it's going to hurt you, yeah. whatever. But until they put their hand on the stove, like they don't always understand. And sometimes it takes that, mm. you know, to get them to learn that lesson. Yeah. And it's very similar with God too. Exactly what you're saying. Sometimes he just lets us do things. Mm -hmm. You know, he can tell us all the time, don't do that. It's not going to end well. Mm -hmm. You're going to get hurt, whatever. But if we're just bent on doing it, God will say, okay, go ahead. Yeah. And he's gracious. He's gracious enough to heal our wounds if we mm -hmm. come back to him. Too. Yeah. It's, it's, the product, it's the story of the prodigal son, really. Yeah. Because the son was bent on leaving his father's house. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the dad 
protested at some level. And, you know, I, I mean, the Bible don't say that, but I got to imagine as a dad, right? Like you're not just going to let your kids, if they're not ready, okay, you're 15 years old, go live on your own. Like it. Do you really want to do this? Right. Yeah. But when the, he, the prodigal was so bent on leaving, the dad's like, okay, here's, here's your inheritance. Go ahead. But he was ready for when the son came back. Yeah. Yeah. That's that that even speaks to the faithfulness that we're talking about. God's faithful. Yeah. Even when we run away, mm-hmm. he's ready to take us back. That's really good. Meekness. Meekness. This was one actually that came up with my discussion with my buddy today. Oh yeah. Because this is a direct contradiction of how the world says a man should be. Yeah. Right. Look at me. Look Men are supposed to be do. loud and tough. Right. And hard. Hard's a word that's, that's used a lot. Man yeah. is supposed to be hard. Not emotional. In your face if you push them, you know, like mm-hmm. fights back. Um, but meekness uh, is, is the opposite of that. Yeah. You'll get this trivia question. Who is the meekest man on earth according to the Bible? Oh, man. You, go, oh, you, you got to put me on Moses? spot like that? Oh, Come sorry. On. Moses. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, okay. I was gonna, I was gonna at least try. Oh. My guess would have been Abraham, though. <laughs> so, you always gotta put me on spot. No, I'm just playing. Moses. Moses, yeah, mentioned as the meekest man on earth, at least at the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was looking into that today, and I think the reason that God says that is because of where Moses came from and the the experience he had, because hmm. he. He was a prince in Egypt. He had, you know, status. He had, he had a, he could choose the life yeah. that he wanted to, but he knew he had a calling of God, and he eventually went into the wilderness for 40 years. I mean, he pretty much had to give up on that dream. Yeah. There was no way it was going to come to pass. Um, so he realized how small he really was, mm. and... And he ended up realizing how much God was in everything to bring him to the place when he did stand before Pharaoh and God did bring a deliverance. Mm, so he yeah. realized how big God was and how little he was. And you know, God will orchestrate his plan. Mm. And Moses is just a little character in the big picture that God is making sure. if, if Moses lets him do it. Right. So he I think, was, one other thought I had is yeah. he was placed in high authority. And some people question the authority of Moses, but he didn't get um, offend, offended. He mm-hmm. didn't say, how dare you? Yeah. He just laid before God and said, Lord, make whoever the leader is you want to be. Yep. So he, that's how he I think so you're, you're touching on this um, principle. I was going to say idea, but it's actually, it's like a, it's a principle. It's a real thing. Um, that humility breeds meekness. Mm-hmm. Pride doesn't, right? you know, but humility does. When you understand that, you know, I'm just a little tiny piece of what God is trying to do and his plan is so much bigger than even just my life, mm-hmm. that will make you a meek person for the most part because you're humble. Yeah. And I wanted to read um, the Bible. I use Bible Hub for interlinear, by the way, BibleHub.com. Um, so... Actually, the word is specifically translated to kindness. Hmm. Or no, not kindness. Gentleness. Gentleness. Yeah. So I I was like, 
there's already gentleness in the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. I went back and looked at that, and that one is more specifically translated to kindness, mm. but uh, the definition gets me for, for, we would call it gentleness or kindness, depending on what translation you're using. But that, that word means well-fitted mm. for the job at hand. So gentleness, the one that we talked about a little while ago, that's at least what the Greek definition is. Now, meekness um, is more accurately translated to gentleness, but this is what it means. Uh, meekness means gentle strength, which expresses power with reserve and gentleness. Yeah. I have a friend who said meekness is like a sword that is sheathed. <laughs> yeah, I see. It's power that's withheld. Right. It has the power, yeah, but it's reserved at that point in time. Yeah, I I thought that was um that was really interesting because sometimes meekness, now we understand it because we study the Bible and, you know, but sometimes meekness can be looked at as a negative trait, a negative personality trait. If somebody's meek, usually we say, "Oh, that means like timid, shy, uh, reserved, which that's not necessarily what meekness means. Mm -hmm. it, it's actually, at least what this Greek word for meekness is, is saying or trying to explain is that it's not talking about somebody who's like shy and, you know, is everybody's doormat because they're too afraid to stand up for themselves. That's what most people think meek means. That's not what it means. Uh, it, that sword analogy is perfect for it. That there is power in this person, they just choose their battles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like meekness is like humility and submission with authority, having authority, but mm -hmm. using it in humility with submission. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the people that are like in your face and trying to look powerful, most of the time they're not powerful. Yeah. That's why they got to fake it. Yeah. To hope that people leave them alone, mm -hmm. you know. But the true people you got to watch out for are the ones that are quiet and observant because meekness is, is really self-aware too. It's understanding that you have power and authority that's been given to you by God, but you're humble enough not to flaunt it around like a prideful person would. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, so, bring us more meekness by I know, your spirit. I know, for real. So the last one we want to wrap up real quick is temperance. Temperance or self-control. Yes, and actually the Greek word literally translates to self-control. I thought this was interesting, self-mastery. Mm, yeah. Uh, dominion or mastery is the root word here. Um, proceeding out from within oneself, but not by oneself. Mm. I thought this that that definition was cool because it's it's talking about how this work of self-mastery begins on the inside of you it begins in your heart and then the effects are seen from the inside out but you don't receive mastery over yourself from your own self huh. you receive it from god right first corinthians nine twenty-five. and every man that striveth for mastery for the mastery is temperate in all things now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown but we an incorruptible mm -hmm. so right in line with what you just said Self-mastery. I think that's really important is to learn how to be like self-aware with a spiritual lens. You know what I mean? 
like not just self-aware as in I'm trying to understand the way that I work because I'm wired this way, but it's trying to understand your own motives because the Bible says that the heart is deceitful and wicked. No man can know it. Yeah. Like we, we don't even know our own motives at times, mm. but to be self-aware enough and reflective enough to say, God, search me and allow God to show you why you do things the way you do and how you can improve it. Yeah. One other thought I had was um, to not have temperance is sounds like overindulging, splurging, mm-hmm. obsessions. And I would say when you are temperate, it keeps us from idolatry. That's true. That's true. Um, I This one, I think we all, some well, not all, but some people struggle with like self-control or I like, I really like the term self-mastery. Mm. Um, a lot of us have, have trouble with that. Uh, and I'll tell you, like, I had a real problem with like just being consistent. Like there are some areas in my life I still have an issue with that. Um, but like I mentioned, a, a lot of prayer and, um, what was the word I used? Reflection. Mm right has helped me come a long way and i'll tell you setting up plans is very important to master yourself like the bible says to take into captivity every thought i think it says that exalts itself above the knowledge of god or however it says that but that comes the ability to do that comes with temperance you have to have self-control in order to recognize when thoughts or motives or intentions come into your mind and to be able to take them captive. And you have to have plans for that, right? Like one thing that I was doing when I was struggling um, with an addiction was every time I felt the urge to do whatever, instead of going and doing that thing, I replaced that habit with reading the Bible. That's that's really good. And that's just a really practical thing, but that's how you build temperance and self-mastery. Right is replacing those bad habits with godly habits, and yeah. you know, and trying to master your flesh, trying to have dominion over it. You know, that's at least that's my take on temperance. Yeah, really good. And the Bible finishes up with the fruit of the spirit. Against such there is no law. Right. Um, so I think this is where we're going to end it. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the uh, the lesson. Um, and you know what? Just one more thing. That law, where the where it wraps up against such there is no law, what that word means is a force or influence impelling to action, meaning that if these fruit of the Spirit are in your life, there's no dark force or human force that could knock you off track. Mm. Mm. There's no force that can take these from you if they're at work in your life and you're living righteously. That's awesome. So that's a, I think that's a great place to end it. Thank you all so much, and uh, keep seeking for true answers. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of True Answers. Rob and I have really enjoyed bringing this type of content to you. And we also wanted to let you know that you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any other place that you receive your podcasts from. Thank you so much. God bless you and keep seeking for true answers.